Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Now a giant Philistine stands on the land that God gave to Israel, and he mocks the God of Israel. You see what happens? Just so we have a complete picture of what's happening here. Meanwhile, back at Jesse's house, verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. We've already covered this. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three older brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so that he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion uh, strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to, to David, so the idea is that morning and evening, Uh, Goliath, he comes out and he struts and he yells at the Israelite army, tells them how they are good for nothing and how their God is good for nothing. Verse 17, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to your captain." Uh, to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. I'm going to pause right there just for a second. They're only like 10 or 15 miles down the road. And so they hear little bits and pieces of what's going on out there in the valley of, of Elah. And so Jesse wants to know, send David Take some food, come back and tell us what's going on on the battlefield, okay? So David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the the Philistines. Verse 20, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So they're starting off all, they have a little pep rally and they're headed off to to battle. Verse 21, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout this, un, this, his usual taunt to the army of Israel. His usual taunt. He's been doing this for 40 days and 40 mornings and 40 evenings. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the man asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. Maybe that's good. I don't know yet. We'll see. And the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. Now, I think there's a couple of things that are happening here in David's mind. Number one, I think that he is indignant that Goliath has been allowed to defy the armies of the living God. This is the people of Israel. We are God's chosen people. And this one man comes out with his gigantic sword and his gigantic shield and his gigantic spear. And he talks bad about our God. And we're all sitting here trembling. This should not be. Number two, if there really is a reward for killing Goliath above and beyond just stopping the defiance against our God, why is no one doing anything about it? Why aren't we advancing? Everyone seems to be back on their heels. It's just a giant. We really don't want to risk anything of our, we don't want to risk our own skin. Just let him talk bad about God. Don't worry about it. Just be ready to run. Verse 28. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry because the oldest brother knows what is already stirring in David's brain. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of, David? Go home. I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I, what have I done now? This is a typical younger brother. What did I do? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I was only asking a question. I didn't do anything. I just asked a question. He walked over to some others and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Ooh, David's in trouble. Verse 32, David, don't worry about the Philistine, David said to Saul. I'll go fight him. David, you got called into the king's palace because you're being mouthy and you're asking questions and you're making our soldiers look and feel bad about themselves. David says, King, there is a giant standing across the valley talking bad about you and talking bad about our God. And you're worried about me asking questions to the soldiers because they're gutless wonders. Don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's a man of war since his youth. Now keep in mind, Saul has got his mind on the big picture here. The big picture is that if they kill the Philistine, then the Philistines will become their slaves. But if Goliath kills their man, the Israelite that they send out, the agreement is that the Israelites will become the Philistine slaves. So there's a lot riding on this for Saul. But David persisted. He persisted. I like David. Why isn't anybody out there killing that guy? Oh, because we're afraid. Go home, take care of your sheep. Nope, I'm going to go kill him. No, you can't go kill him. You can't kill him because you're a little boy. And David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, one insignificant little lamb, from the flock. 
I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. <sighs> Freedom! Go, David! I mean, if you can catch a bear by the jaw, you can do whatever you want, dude. You're bad to the bone. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied. Here's why. He has defied the armies of the living God. He has defied the armies of the living God as opposed to the Philistine pagan gods who are not living. This man has no spiritual backing, yet he defies the living God. David's not going to have it. The Lord who rescued me, that's important. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I like David's attitude there. Saul finally con consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. <laughs> Great man of faith. David is not being arrogant, I don't believe. He is definitely not being self-confident. Listen carefully. David is not being self-confident in this. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. This isn't about, I can kill a mountain lion, I can kill a bear, I'll go kill the giant. No, 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 no. He says, the Lord has rescued me before, the Lord will rescue me again. I am confident that if I go stand for what is truth and right and good and put myself in the, at risk for the Lord, that the Lord will rescue me. Faith and action go together. God has proven himself over and over to David. Today is no different than all of those other days. There's an obstacle. David is not seeking glory for himself. He is just doing what needs to be done the whole time, believing that the Lord, who has rescued him in the past, will rescue him today and take care of him. Man, there's a lot to learn from that, isn't there? That's, that's fantastic. I'm going to keep going. Number four. The Lord will conquer you. Verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor, because that's the kingly thing to do. I'm not going to fight him, but you can take my armor. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. So I grew up on, on this story, and I promise you, I never see a smooth round stone without thinking of the story of David and Goliath. And I wanted to bring a whole bunch this morning, but bringing a bunch of gravel to church didn't seem glorifying, I guess. I don't know. 
can't go in these, he protested to Paul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off and he picked up five smooth stones with a, from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Somebody told me that he picked up five because Goliath had brothers. I don't know if that's true or not. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. Are you picturing this? Little David, shepherd's staff and a sling against Goliath with his 15-pound spearhead and his weaver's rod spear. Gigantic. He started across the valley of Elah to fight the Philistine. Bum, bum, bum. Verse 41. There should be background music for this. Goliath walked out toward David down the side of the mountain. He'd already had his morning taunt. He's gone back to take a little nappy poo. He hears that some little guy is coming down the mountain from, from the, the hillside from the, from the Israelite side. Goliath, wake up. Somebody's coming down. We think maybe they're sending a messenger because he's a small guy. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Mm. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And David replied to the Philistine. I want to do it in a little boy voice, but I'm not. <laughs> you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Hold on to that. In the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of Israel. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. Now, this phrase, I have to teach this. Every time we go through this. Because people don't know it and understand it. This phrase, in the name of. Means that David is coming as a representative. With the authority of the Lord. Lord of heaven's armies. Is he the army? No, he's just coming as a representative of, in the name of. Does that make sense? He comes in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. So he comes as a representative of God. David does not come as a hero. He's not coming as his own savior. Bum, 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 bum. I'm here with my five stones and I'm going to kick your rumpus. Nope, that's not the way it goes. David does not come as a representative of Saul the king or of Israel because Saul didn't fit. He tried on those clothes. That doesn't fit. David comes as a representative in all of his power and might, a young man with a staff and a sling. He comes with all of the authority of the Lord of heaven's armies. And he faces this giant and he says, you come at me with a sword and spear. I come at you as a representative of Elohim. That's some confidence now. Today, verse 26, David says, today the Lord... Yahweh will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. The Lord will conquer you. 
I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Original promise. Now it's going to happen. The Lord rescues you. The Lord conquers his enemies. The Lord is at work doing miraculous and mighty things. You and I are along for the ride by faith. We walk alongside of him. Why? Because he is the Lord of heaven's armies. Do we trust that he's going to win? Yes, because he is Elohim. He is God above all gods. So by faith, we walk along with the living God. Church, listen to me carefully. This is important. The deception of modern Christianity. I think of the greatest false teaching that has crept into Christian theology is that we are under the impression that when we get our worship right, when we worship correctly, Throughout all my life, there's always been somebody writing a book or a new idea of we should worship standing, we should worship kneeling, we should do this this way, we should do this that way. And if we can just, if we can just do the motions right, then God will hear us and give us what we want. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's quite the opposite. We surrender ourselves as we put ourselves at risk in front of the giant. And we, as we put ourselves at risk of not being able to help ourselves, as we put ourselves at risk of not being in control of our own world and getting what we want, as we put our bodies in the Lord's hands to rescue as he sees fit, then he will glorify himself through your life. You follow? But Brent, I, I submitted my life to Christ because that was going to give me a better life and make my family better and make me better and make me more rich and I was going to get this and I was going to get that and I was going to be happier. That is not the promise at all. The promise is, is that if you'll risk facing the giant, you may die or you may be rescued. It'll all be for the glory of God. Well, that's not really the deal I want. Yeah. I know. I know. As a person after God's heart, we seek for God to be glorified, not ourselves. That's the difference between Saul and David. David had a path to glory in his heart. Pardon me, Saul had a path to glory in his heart. David just wanted to honor God, live for God, sing about how great God is. Whenever somebody messes with his God, he marches out to kick their butt. I don't know if I can say that at church or not, but I did. We seek that his will be done, not our own. Not our own. We seek that he receives glory, not us. I don't have to, I do not have to get it right. I just give it all to him. I love him, I serve him, I obey him, I'm humble before him, and let him conquer whatever giants need to be conquered. Are you with me? 
But Brent, if I read my Bible every day, God's more likely to answer my prayers. No. If I go to church every Sunday, then God's more likely to do what I want. You're more likely to do what God wants, and there's great blessing in that. But God's not a, a, a gumball machine where you put in enough goodness, you get something good out. It's not the way it works. You give it all, and you trust him. And then you see what he does. Verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David's mom is going, oh, not my little baby. As Goliath moved closer to attack, he comes down into the bottom of the valley. David quickly ran out to meet him. Where's the rest of Israel's armies? We see heels and elbows of them. They're running the other way. We're like, our king has lost his mind. Saul let David go out there. We're fixing to become slaves. Let's get a head start on everybody else and start running backwards. David ran quickly out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and he hit the Philistine in the forehead. Whack. The stone sank in. It's a good Bible story for bedtime, right? (laughs) Tell the kids all about it. The stone sank into Goliath's skull, and Goliath stumbled, and he fell face down on the ground. Now, if you're a hunter at all, or I'm not a soldier, so I have no context for this, but I know this, that you have to have a really good shot to drop an animal. And so for David to drop Dan, Goliath just in his tracks, oh, this is a magnificent story. I mean, this was brain damage. Instantly, he just falls. Dust flies. So David triumphed. Oh, yeah, that's it. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. David didn't even have a sword on him. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. Shing! You got ahead of me, Larry. This is golf stroke too, huh? And David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. Oh, it's a great story. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph, and they rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath. That was from where, that's where Goliath was from. And the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road uh, from Shareim, Shearim, as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, had it taxidermied and mounted over his dining room table. <laughs> That's what the message says. <laughs> but he stored, he stored, he didn't have that, that would be really gross. But he stored the man's armor in his tent. I mean, that's a pretty cool trophy. Verse 55, as Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. We'll find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. <laughs> the king wants you, and he's like, 
He's got blood all over him. Go and see the king with the giant's head in my hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem, which later on is going to be called the city of David. Why David? Why did God choose David out of all the people that he could have chosen? I'm sure that there were stronger men, more handsome men, more warrior men. There were all these other things that he could have chosen. Why did God choose David? Why did God choose David to be the object of his glory? Maybe it's because God is God and God gets to do whatever he wants without explanation to us. That's not popular theology. Wait, God can do anything he wants and he doesn't have to explain it to me? That's not fair. Shut up. God does. We don't understand everything God does. And maybe that's why God chose David. Maybe God chose David because unlike Saul, David would simply trust and obey. No, Brent, God looks for men and women of faith and power. He looks for men who are going to charge the mountain and charge the the giant and make a big flash and be flamboyant. No, no. In fact, Saul we got rid of. We're looking for a shepherd boy that's just taking care of the sheep. And if somebody tries to take his dad's lamb, he goes out there and he grabs a lion or a bear by the jaw and he beats it to death. He's a simple man. He just lives for the glory of God. He's not out there to attract attention to himself. He's just serving God, loving God, singing about how great God is. Brent, is that really the people that God wants in his kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, because those people who have a plan for greatness of their own, they're not very usable. They're not very moldable in the kingdom of God. They're difficult. God doesn't want to use them. He can use someone who will trust and obey. Now, over the years, I've heard people say things about they want to do something great for the kingdom of God. They're going to go out and have this great ministry and build this wonderful ministry for the Lord. It doesn't work that way. David, like David, we serve God faithfully in whatever situation he puts us in. Can you just breathe a sigh of relief? You don't have to be great in man's eyes. Wherever God puts you, be faithful there. And God will be as proud of you as he can possibly be. You with me? Like David, we serve God faithfully in whatever position he puts us in. If the sheep need cared for, then we do it for God's glory. If the harp needs playing, then we do it for God's glory. If the giant needs to be slayed then we do it for God's glory. It's that simple. Always trusting that God will rescue and that God will conquer. It's not about me and my greatness and how hard I can sling a swing. Swing a sling? I don't know. It's not about me. It is about God and what he's going to do. It is about having faith that we are simply the objects of God's glory. He does it. It's pretty incredible.
So we surrender ourselves to him, not in our greatness, but in our humility, in our meekness. Lord, here I am because I want to serve you and honor you and I want you to be glorified in my life. And whatever you do with my life, if it's great or small relative to what other people think, that's perfectly fine. My life is yours. Be glorified however you want. That's incredible. The city of David, Bethlehem, will one day be where a savior is born. Kind of gives us this sense of anticipation that God is not finished with David. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you that we do not have to bring anything of value before your throne. We come before you like David. We're just, just people, small in so many ways and broken in many ways. We surrender ourselves to you and we just trust, Lord, that, that as we serve and honor you and trust and obey you, that you will take our lives and that you will mold us to be in the person that you need us to be to shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to those around us. Father, we just pray that you would make us vessels for your glory, that your son Jesus Christ would shine through us and that the world would know you because you shine through us, because they see our good deeds that glorify you and that they'll be drawn to love you, to honor you, to serve you, to worship you as Lord of their own lives. Father, we just thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom. We get to be your children. Father, we just thank you for this great salvation that you have given us. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in this church. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.